everyone, it's Judy Warner. Wait till you see who I have for you today. He's one of your favorites and absolutely one of mine. Today I speak with Steve Sandler of PicoTest. If you've seen Steve on LinkedIn and on his website, he's a power integrity expert for more than 40 years now. He's considered one of the leading experts in this discipline, and he's going to teach you a lot today in our conversation. Uh, most of all, we're going to talk about a tool he developed called the Non-Evasive Stability Measurement Tool that is now being integrated in most of your test and measurement um, platforms and is probably accessible to you already in your existing equipment. So I hope you enjoy this conversation between myself and Steve Sandler. I want to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Transline Technology, who makes precision RF and microwave PCB antennas. I put the Link in the show notes to all of our amazing sponsors, including Keysight Technologies and Signal Integrity Journal. So there's lots of educational resources for you to tap into there. So let's jump in now to our conversation with Steve Sandler of PicoTest. Hi, Steve. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's so good to see you. Oh, it's great to see you too. I always enjoy talking to you. So, so it's nice to be and it was. Thank you. Well, it was so nice to see you and your right hand, Emma, at DesignCon and see your face. It had been so long. And um, I popped in your class there at DesignCon, your boot camp with Heidi and Jack, and it looked like it was full strength to me. Did, did you think you had a good turnout? I mean, it was standing room only. Yeah, I think they told me that it was the single most uh, attended session they had, which is Nice to hear. You know, Heidi and Jack and I have been doing this together now for, for a couple of years. Heidi and I started and we invited Jack back in 2018. But it's a really great team and people really love the fact that, you know, they get the simulation side, the measurement side, and of course the expert in FPGAs himself. So, uh, so it was great. We really had fun doing it. So I should fill in our listeners that Heidi is Heidi Barnes of Keysight and Jack, you'll have to fill me yeah, in on Jack. Jack. I don't Carol. know him. And um, he's one of the gurus at, um, I, w I was going to say Xilinx, but now it's AMD, right? Yeah. Wow. What a difference it makes. I know. Exactly. It's hard to catch up all the, the yeah. logos are changing on these people's cards, right? Yeah. But Jack is an FPGA expert and, uh, okay. and it's always fun to, to work with him too. Yeah. Well, I thought I'd get you on. It's been, it's been a, while since you and I have talked on the podcast, but we've done this a few times in the past. So uh, for people who may not be acquainted with your work, Steve, can you take a quick minute to introduce your background and then tell us a little bit about your company, PicoTest? Sure. Well, I guess the, the you know, white beard gives it away, but I'm old. So I've been doing <laughs> uh, power electronics for a very long time. I've been in power electronics since the 1970s. So, so 40 some odd years. I spent most of that Actually, as a rocket scientist, uh, working first on on the space shuttle way back when, and I worked on on rocket science up through you know. Um, well, actually, I'm still doing it today, uh, but um, I'm an expert in modeling and an expert in simulation, and mostly in power integrity and power electronics. But I also get involved in RF and and other stuff, you know. So so I get to play with a little bit of everything. It was fun last week when I did the podcast with Matt Ozalis. I didn't know that you two knew each other. And He's then one of you my told superheroes. me he's 
And I had no idea. I always say this industry is a small town. Um, um, it is. It is. So, yeah, Matt is one of my superheroes, and he is probably um, the greatest expert in RF power amplifiers that I've ever met. Uh, maybe maybe in RF overall that I've ever met. And he does really great videos and um, and tutorials on things that, that just kind of blow your mind. So... Well, I happened to run into him at, at the International Migraine Symposium last week. I didn't think I was going to get to see him, but it turns out we're both serving on the steering committee for 2023 in San Diego. So I'll put that link for our listeners below in case they want to, if they're interested in our app. But um, he was telling me that he had been talking to you and Eric Bogatin, and I was, and he's like, we should do a podcast because from signal integrity, power integrity, and what I'm doing in RF, we're starting to realize how many crossovers there are. So that's yeah. me throwing the gauntlet down, hoping I can talk you into that later. But I'm sure you've had offline conversations with him about that. Yeah, I know it would be it would be a lot of fun. But you're right that the, I mean, everything kind of interacts these days, especially as things get smaller and. And performance gets better. Everybody's more dependent on everybody else. And yeah. maybe some of your listeners saw it, but I did a uh, a panel discussion this year with Tektronics on on the current challenges, and they invited Masashi Nagawa from Corvo. And Masashi is a power supply expert, and of course, Corvo Corvo makes RF power amplifiers. And so we had a lot of fun talking about the challenges of of getting clean power for RF power amplifiers and what happens if the power quality is not good enough. So yeah, everything impacts everything these days. And, yeah. and so the world is getting smaller by the day. Well, and it's really funny because I've had a sense that my RF life and my high-speed digital life have been separate and like more and more it's all coming together as evidenced by that weird Thing of you and Matt having, you know, interacted many times. And you have a long history with a lot of the test and measurement companies, but particularly, yeah. don't you have, forgive me for forgetting, but I know you have a special designation by Keysight. Yes. Shout out to our great sponsor. Um, yeah. So what is that? So... You know, I do a lot of things, right? Um, and even back as far as the 1980s, I was very involved in computer simulation. And back in those days, you know, it was all garbage in, garbage out. Nobody believed simulators, whatever. But I was one of the early simulators. And flash forward a lot of years to, I want to say it was around 2008, when I realized that power guys were going to have to know something about RF and microwave because power supplies mm. were becoming RF and microwaves. So I decided I was going to buy this program that I could do EM simulation and stuff. And I, I started shopping around. And and the one that I finally chose was Keysight's ADS. Mm. Back then, I think it was I think it was Agilent then. Um, yes. But I, I bought this simulator and I had no idea what to do with it. Um, but I figured I would somehow learn. And I spent, uh, since 2008, you know, learning about EM simulation and how it is that we can apply that to things like power supplies. Not only how to apply it to power supplies, but how it applies to 
end-to-end simulation, which I think mm-hmm. is really the essential goal, right? So I know the RF guys are worried about phase noise and the digital guys are worried about time jitter and the power supply guys, they're worried about power supply noise. But how do we get all of those into a single simulation? And so the reason I chose ADS is because it was unique in the ability to do all of those things. And now flash forward to today, it even does electrothermal and it does EMI and, and all that. Um, I wouldn't say that it was a focus, but somehow, some way along the way, I became a certified expert in um, in ADS simulation. And so I am a Keysight certified expert. And, and that's been really fun, you know, mo- mostly working with Heidi Barnes over the years, mm-hmm. uh, but bringing what I know to ADS and learning what ADS has to offer in other spaces and how it is that I could apply that uh, to power supplies. And yeah, so, you know, like I said, we brought Jack into the mix and that kind of added some new new blood. And now Ben Dannon from Northrop Grumman, he's become part of the, the clan. And he just became a Keysight certified expert also. Oh, he and did. He did just, um, just recently. And it's not something I think that anybody plans to, to focus on. It just, you really just get lost in it and somehow it just happens. So, so I did become a Keysight certified expert and I'm very I proud just- of it. I just see a hat that's like super geek. Yeah. Yeah, see, I even have my um, my Keysight oh, certified expert mug. So there it is, and there's a cup to prove it. There you go. Well, I remember you did this really fun video, and maybe we could dig it out. One of my favorite little videos you did because I'm a civilian and not electrical engineer was the um, the tour you did of your lab. Yes. And you have every toy there is every, and I'm like, and one, it's the most organized lab I've ever seen in my life with all the picotets probes. And anyways, it's a great tour. And I think people were probably drooling. Um, and I remember on the wall, it said ADS certified expert or something. It, so it I, does. and I couldn't remember exactly what the designation was, but, but I know you work with all, a lot of the test and measurement companies. Yes. Um, tell Tell our listeners a little bit about PicoTest because I think that's an interesting story as well. So PicoTest, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how that came to be because I wasn't really looking for another company. Um, but I, I guess I got bored and I needed something to do. And I, I met a guy that was the general manager for a company in Taiwan called PicoTest. And they made uh, test equipment. They made really good benchtop test equipment. And he gifted it to me for my lab. And I, I said, wow, this stuff is so great. You know, I, I really love it, but I never heard of your company. And he said, well, we're not that big in the United States. We don't, you know, we don't have a big um, um, brand there. And so to be sure, that's that's why I named my company PicoTest. I got the trademark rights from him so that I could help him promote his brand. Um, But I had a single goal, and the single goal was to provide the niche products that nobody else made. And for example, if you wanted to measure Bode plots for your power supply, you could go and you could buy a vector network analyzer from Keysight. They make really good ones, and other companies do too. But you spend all this money on a network analyzer and they don't make the injection transformer. And I thought that's really odd. Um, 
So I can buy the instrument, but I can't make the measurement. So I got to go find somebody else that makes this injection transformer. When I started to look at the measurements that people were making and even the measurements that we were making, there weren't really these products that connect the instrument to the board, right? Everybody made the Hmm. instrument. Um, You know, people made probes, but there wasn't really anybody making these devices that connect between the instruments and the board for the purposes of, you know, doing the signal excitations and the bi-directional data transmissions and things like that. So I said, you know, I'm going to make a company that does that. And we set off to fill those missing pieces. And we've done that since 2010. And we're a very small company, but uh, we take pride in the fact that I think every major technology company is a PicoTest customer, um, bar none. And we're very, we're very proud of that. Um, we don't really do any research at PicoTest. You know, somebody calls and says, hey, I need to make this measurement. You know how I can do that? And I think about it and say, yeah, but the device you need um, doesn't exist. So I'll make it for you. That's what I'll do. I'll make it for you. And some of them catch on and some of them don't catch on. But that's really our mission in life is to bring high fidelity measurements to, to people in a, in a simple way um, and, and just bridging that gap between the, the board they're connecting to and the instrument they want to measure from. I think it's really, again, not understanding the full sort of ecosystem of that world. Like why the instrumentation company, I guess, because the applications are all different, but, you know, why those aren't readily available from the instrument companies? I think that's a novice question. I've I've wondered that myself and there's not really a good answer, but I'm going to give you, I think the answer that is, I believe to be the truth. There's not enough money in it. Um, Oh, I think it's that simple. Um, You know, the analyzer analyzer costs $40,000 and the injection transformer costs $500 and people don't want to sell $500 things, at least not Mm. not in the instrument companies. And so I think that the bottom line is there's just not, not enough money or the, and the volume isn't really there. Yeah. We don't really care about that. We just care about helping people make the measurements they want to make. So fine. Yeah. Um, You know, for me, a lot of times it's just, I always wanted to try that. I wonder if I could do that. Yeah, probably. Probably. Why not? Right. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, um, that's fun. Yeah. So you and I were talking recently and I thought our listeners would be interested in this um, tool you developed. You call it NISM, yeah. but I'll let you unpack that acronym. And then could you tell us about that non-invasive S? Sure. Non-invasive stability. Stability. T- yes, there we go. Yeah. So tell us about your tool. Tell us how you developed it. And then we'll dig into that a bit. Well, you know me a long time. So you know everything has a story, right? Uh, everything. <laughs> and, but I like your stories. And I think our yeah. podcast listeners do well, too. So, so there is a story here. I, I'm a rocket scientist by trade. That's that's what I did for, for decades. And... Um, and we've always been trained to worry about control loop stability, control loop stability. It impacts noise. It impacts dynamics. Power integrity is based on on that. And just like everything else, it keeps getting smaller and, and more dense and more problematic. In fact, um, I'm working on a video now. Let me see if I can show your listeners this little board. 
Um, but that little chip in the middle, that's that's what they call a PMIC. And it's got 14 power splice in that one integrated circuit. And that powers the FPGAs and all the peripherals. They have bigger ones in cell phones. Some of them have 80 power splice, one chip. Unbelievable. But um, when you put 80 power splice into one chip, you're limited to pins. So they left out some pins. The pins they left out are the ones that you would use to make stability measurements. I see. That's not good. So I had this brainstorm. You know, what I could do is just cut and jump for the printed circuit board. And maybe, you know, with a couple little wires, maybe I could figure out how to inject a signal. As I went to NASA and I said, you got an X-Acto knife. I want to cut up your board. <laughs> and they said, what? I said, I just need an X-Acto knife to cut up your board. And they're like, that, that ain't happening. Yeah. And so I said, well, I don't know how I'm going to measure stability then, but but we still need to measure stability, even though we don't have access to it. And so I wondered whether or not it would be possible to come up with a way that you could measure stability without having to cut NASA's boards so that they wouldn't be upset. And it took me a while, but I actually did figure out how you do that. Um, and it actually worked out pretty well. In fact, the University of Reading said, we'd love for you to do a PhD in, in control theory, focused on your non-invasive measurement. And I did. I enrolled in the University of Reading as a PhD student to um, you did. to do my NISM. And I got close to the end and two things happened to derail that. The first is they told me I would have to publish the math. And I wasn't willing to do that. Oh, um, that's your secret sauce. Yeah, exactly. So that was problematic. And then they control they closed the control loop school. So I never finished my PhD. Uh, but Omicron Lab, who was, uh, I was good friends with them. They were sales partners. And they said, we'd love to be the first one to have your non-invasive stability margin tool built into our vector network analyzer. And so oh, that'd be great. So uh, 2011, we did that. And we put it into the Omicron Lab vector network analyzer. And it's free. Uh, you don't have to pay for it. It's just included. And, uh, and people liked it. In fact, <clears throat> some companies, some of the cell phone companies use it exclusively for measuring their PMIX. But then the instrument companies said, well, you know, how come Omicron's the only company gets to do what we want it to? So we did. We made it available for uh, the Keyset analyzers, the 5061B and the 5071, which were the popular ones. And then Rody and Schwartz said, well, what about us? You know, we got the ZNL and ZNB, so we put it into those. And then Copper Mountain said, what are we, like, you know, chopped liver? How come we don't get it? So <laughs> so we made it available for Copper Mountain, too. And um, I don't know that it's been published anywhere, but I can tell you really exciting. Um, it's actually coming to the ADS simulator. And I'm actually doing that video now. So it's actually going to be available for simulation also. Um, and, mm. and it's really cool. So what it allows us to do is just take a simple browser probe we put it on the output capacitor and the instrument tells us what the stability margins of the control loop are um it's interesting how that has spread um across. yeah yeah and it's um it's a it's really an interesting measurement and people are starting to break off pieces of it and, and dissect them even further um so i think scott witcher who i think you know is yeah. putting a paper at DesignCon this year on um, how you can use NISM 
to quantify the flatness of a power rail, right? We all talk about the fact that we want flat impedance for power integrity, but Scott's focus is how flat is flat? Um, I mean, how do we how do we talk about flatness? So do yeah. I say it just as a little bump or do I say it as a bump that's bigger than I would like? You know, how do we quantify that? And so Scott's right. giving a paper using NISM to quantify how flat is uh, is flat. Hmm. That sounds like a, like, yeah, if it's not defined, what does it mean? So sounds like a valuable talk. Um, so when you, th- you said, when did you start doing NISM? You said 2000. 2010. It actually got put in 2100 uh, Omicron Lab in 2011. So it's in, okay. it's since 2000. 10 years old. Yeah. What's really shocking, and I never, ever guessed what happened, is it looks like NISM will come to the first oscilloscope probably next year. Uh, I never dreamed that you would see frequency response measurements in an oscilloscope, much less things like NISM built in right. oscilloscope, but that's coming too. So in- Interesting. It's yeah. really... Do you have any um, anything you want us to point at? You've mentioned some of the tool sets that it's in. Is, do you have talks about that maybe go more depth than we have time to do in a well, short podcast? Or? Yeah, there are. There are. There are some really good ones. And I would suggest that a good place to start is our solutions page. So if you go to okay. uh, picotest.com, there's a measurement solutions page. And if you go there, there are pages dedicated to NISM. And when you go into those pages, my lectures and videos and, and all that stuff will be there. And of course, it's in my online class too. You know, we have a, a measurements an online measurement class. And yeah, I'm going to talk about that one later. Yeah, so. we, do that. we do it there also. Uh, but okay, it's pretty easy so. to find now. If you just type NISM in, in a simulator, in a uh, you know, search engine, it'll come up. Okay. For our listeners, I'll go root all that good stuff out for you and put it in the show notes. So it'll just be a click away. All right. Something else you and I were talking about, because again, we haven't seen each other in like two Too long. plus years. Too long. long, It's just dumb. And I wanted to come to your sometime going through Phoenix. I wanted you to make me a pizza in your pizza oven. Dang it. Um, (laughs) Maybe someday. Maybe someday, maybe. But anyways, we were kind of just thinking about the ways in which COVID has changed, you know, sort of the landscape for the whole electronics community. And so as for you personally, um, how has it changed your business during this time for PicoTest? And then what are kind of some obstacles you've watched? But also, I, you were talking about some opportunities that I thought were interesting that I thought our listeners would want to hear more about. Yeah, so... I mean, COVID is really huge for, for all businesses, right? And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we weren't really sure what it was going to mean to us, especially being a, a small business. Uh, but it didn't actually go the way that we expected. I mean, there were there were things that that were big changes. Like I was a lecturer, right? <laughs> so what do you yeah, do when and- you run around the world lecturing and meeting engineers and you can't do that anymore? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, of course, like everybody else, everything went virtual really quick. And I was virtually mm-hmm. meeting with customers and I was virtually giving lectures. Uh, our our hands-on workshop became an online work, workshop, you know, so that people could, uh, could take the classes online. And 
And that actually went pretty well. In fact, one of the things that we found is that we were able to reach so many more engineers, you know, in a given space of time. And we're able to focus more on on what it is the customers needed individually rather than trying to figure out, you know, what general topic could it cover that many people would be interested in. Because mm-hmm. the difference when you give a lecture in a big auditorium, you have to try to talk about things that everybody in the room is going to like. Right. But, but not necessarily any depth that one particular person is going to like. And so now I could have you know, online sessions with the Facebooks and Amazons of the world and focus on what it is that they wanted to to know, what measurement did they need to make or, you know, what what couldn't they do. Another thing that, that happened, I guess, is that um, everybody was working from home. Yeah. And because engineers were working from home, you know, working on simulators isn't so hard, but what about actually making the measurements? Yeah. So all of a sudden, engineers all had to build these home labs. And so one thing that we didn't expect is that our sales really boomed uh, because of engineers that needed to set up home labs so that they had their probes and vector network analyzers and and whatevers. Um, They also were working more individually than in teams. So, you know, where somebody in the team knew how to make a measurement, maybe you didn't. Now, all of a sudden, you had to become an expert in that measurement, too. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, our classes did really well through through COVID also. And I think that, you know, even coming out the other side now, um, we still do a lot of our stuff online because it's so much more effective. We just did a poll on LinkedIn about how we should do our next session on on ground loops. And the predominance of, of people said they'd really like to see it online. And and I guess that wasn't shocking. You know, I expected most people would say, oh, we'd love to see that as a, as a free webinar because engineers love free stuff. And so a free webinar, that's really awesome. I expected that. What I didn't expect is that the responses said that people would rather pay for an online class than see it at a conference. That I found. Yeah. Well... So here's my two cents on that, but I I would like to hear your perspective Mm -hmm. as, you know, my own experience of going through um, COVID and everything, you know, all the mess that that, but I think now as we come out of COVID, like I just came from International Microwave Symposium in Denver and that show normally has say, I don't know, eight, 9,000 people top mm-hmm. capacity and they had six, 7,000. So there's clearly a hunger to be back in person, Yeah, particularly getting your hands on and talking to subject matter experts and all of that. But one thing I observed is there is a whole swath of engineers that maybe were working for smaller companies or were freelancing or on contract that didn't have the budget to get on an airplane, get budgeted for training. And I feel like we widen the circle, you know. I think it's true. Um, to let more of those people that, in. Yeah, a lot of companies, they don't want the engineers to be gone from the office that long, right? Well, and then there's been travel restrictions. Yeah. And well, depending on where you are in the world. Yeah, travel restrictions and there's travel costs and the hotels. And one thing I did notice at DesignCon was that the hotel rates were much lower than they were in past years. 
Hmm. That I found really surprising because if you go on vacation now, you've noticed how crazy expensive hotels are. Um, But the block rate for the conference was like 40% lower than it was a year ago. And I think that's because people don't have the budgets and and they're trying to make it affordable so that engineers can travel. But I think you got to, you got to put people into these two buckets and look at it from two different perspectives. On the one hand, we all love to go to the conferences because we get to see our conference buddies. Right. When, When would I see Eric and Isvan, you know, and Bert and all these guys, if it wasn't at the conference, it's like, you know, with your family, you see them at weddings and funerals. Right. We see them at conferences. Absolutely. and of course, in the conference, everybody's showing off their latest new toys and engineers right. love toys. So I want to go to the conference because I want to see the toys. Uh, right. But from a practical standpoint, um, even if they have to pay for an online class, if they paid 100 or $200 for a class, it's much less than the flight, the hotel, yeah. the $800 that it costs to register and the week that they're going to be out of the office. Instead, they're going to be out of the office for a couple of hours, you know, paying attention to this thing. And, and another thing that's actually been expressed to me by a lot of these engineers is that if they watch it online, they can watch it over and over again. And mm. when they go and yeah. see this paper at a conference, they don't always get it the first time. In fact, I was talking to Scott this morning about his paper and he said a lot of these, um, you know, tutorials and things that I've given, he's watched five or six times until it finally goes, oh, I get it. Um, yeah. And and so, you know, you can actually learn at a slower pace that way, which is good. And you even get to select the time, which right. I think most of us have done, right? I mean, I sign up for every webinar, but I don't usually watch them live. I sign right. up so that I'm registered and then I watch it when I got the time to watch it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And so I think there's part of it that's that's that also. So so a lot of that stuff happened during COVID. And, and um, I think with a lot of trade shows, like they don't record the sessions, but they'll give you a presenter slide deck. But you miss all the good stuff <laughs> that was said between the bullet points. Right? right. And so, and like you said, and then you can jump ahead to minute X, Y, Z and just get that one piece. So yeah, it's just very interesting times, but to me, and I think it's not going to be an either, or You're I think right. it's just expanded what we can offer, who we can reach But, you know, based on like DesignCon this year and IMS, people are dying to be back together. I mean, I was so happy to see people. I'm not made to be, most of us are not meant to be locked up in our our house offices. I made it to APEC this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I made it to DesignCon this year. And I mean, I'm as hungry as everybody else. And I know probably a lot of your... Um, listeners don't know that that I had some significant health issues, and so I was yeah. I was seriously compromised and and wasn't able to to even be outside. So you know, for me to be able to go to APEC was like you know earth changing, and and so for that it was it was really great. But I think that there's this space for you know podcasts like yours, and and I think mm-hmm. that one of the things engineers like about it is that. For some reason, and and maybe it maybe it's the way it's supposed to be, they listen to me on a podcast, so now they think they know me. 
right? And they feel comfortable yeah. asking me questions. Yes. I get emails. Um, I'm learning to make pizza. Can you can you give me some tips? Um, <laughs> and it's because they feel like they know me now because this is a casual environment win right now, right? And, right? and this is just, you know, two friends talking and, and yes. wow, you know, Steve's not – not a bad guy. I think I could probably just send him an email and I'll bet he'll answer me. And, yeah. And so I think there's that part of it too. Um, well, that's thing, the yeah. whole, go ahead, Steve. Yeah. Sorry. One thing we didn't talk about is that just as COVID hit, you know, we had this really interesting time where we had new products that were coming out, uh, you know, our new two port probes and a new one port probe. And oh, just, yeah. before, just before COVID, um, our manufacturer said that, you know, they reviewed their, their business strategy and our probes no longer fit into their business plan and they were they weren't going to make our probes oh and yikes we were like um we're supposed to be delivering them in two weeks <laughs> two weeks <laughs> um how do you decide oh. two weeks before you're delivering them that you're not going to make them and so i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing but you know we did have the time during covid that we had to make this mad dash and, and learn how you make a probe, um, everything from, you know, how do you write a manual and, and how do you, how do you design the probe? How do you make the case? I mean, what about these blow molded custom foam things? What about demo boards and, you know, all of the ecosystem that goes into this. And so during COVID, we, we actually did all this and, and eight months later we released, you know, I, I think it was 12 new products that we now had to, I shouldn't say had to because it's been really pleasurable uh, manufacturing them ourselves. And, and, you know, it was a real challenge. And at the same time, it gives us back so much more freedom, freedom of our time schedules, freedom of, you know, what it is that, that we want to do. You know, a lot of the manufacturing companies, they're very focused on return on investment. And as a small company, we don't care. You know, I just, I want to make stuff that, that people need. I want to help people make great measurements. And some of what we do makes money and some of what we do doesn't make money. And I don't really care as long as I'm not losing money on average. Life's good. So <laughs> that was a really interesting time for us. Um, you know, just learning how it is that we make things that we've never made before. Well, kind of piggybacking on that. It's like, we're all reinventing ourselves. Like you said, doing measurements at home. And I was like a little like, oh my gosh, wonder if you work at a prime and you have this awesome, super well-equipped lab with all your instruments. What are you going to do when you go home? Like, and you know, people figured it out. We just figured it out. I mean, good Lord. Yeah. When I was back at uh, Altium, we had a green room. I had a yellow chair. We had people come in physically, you know, yeah. and then it's like, I have to podcast from my living room now. Right. And like you said, I, I was wholly dependent on videographers and producers and this and that, but hey, now I know how to podcast from home and Yeah, so so another funny story. So, you know, part of, of what happened with that is that you know, a year, two years ago, we would have been horrified if the dog walked in while we were doing a, a <laughs> webinar or, or even worse, barked, right? So I was doing a webinar for Tektronics and my good friend, Tony Ambrose, who's a, an application engineer, regional, I think he's a regional manager uh, for Tektronics. He was here in my home lab 
where we're making all these measurements and, and recording the video for the webinar. And you've never been to my house, but right next to my lab is my wife's bird room where she has seven parrots. And the seven <laughs> parrots can make the sound of every instrument that I own, and they'll drive you crazy because they'll be pushing buttons that you didn't think you pushed. And did I push the button? Didn't I push the button? I don't remember if I pushed the button, whatever. So we're listening back to the webinar, and – one bird in particular was very chirpy and we tried noise filters and whatever and we could not get sunny's chirps out of the video so now in that webinar my um kayak has a bio and um <laughs> a, an avian intern in power integrity measurement and a headshot and the whole bit because they realized there's just no way we're going to get this you know, bird chirping out of the webinar. So I think we just need to own it. And Sonny got, Sonny got his own bio and everything, but, but this has become okay now, right? Uh, you know, it's okay if you're, if your kids run into the room while you're, you're recording. Um, so but, true. Yeah. Another story back in 1998, I was working on the international space station. And at the time I owned AEI systems, which was in a, a separate space, but it was attached to my house. And I had Rocketdyne and Boeing and uh, a bunch of companies in my facility for a design review. And my daughter comes running and jumps in my lap and says, hi, daddy. And I was absolutely horrified. And I was like, oh my God, you know, now what do I do? And, and everybody just loved it. You know, nobody was... Nobody was put yeah. off by it. Everybody loved it. And I had, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, I have this humble little office that's attached to my house. And, you know, it's a very small company. We only had a few employees. And my office overlooked the swimming pool, you know. Um, and then it would start. So um, Boeing called and said, we'd like to have a design review. We were wondering if you would mind if we used your house. And really? And I said, yeah, we'd like to use your office if you don't mind, because it's a nice, quiet and peaceful space. It's out of our office, so we don't get the distractions. Space system Valral, hey, would you mind if we had a design review at your facility? And I was thinking, this is really a terrible thing. And my daughter ran in yeah. and jumped in my lap, right? Uh, and it really wasn't. And I think we've seen that from COVID now too. We just introduce our dog, right? And ever so absolutely, dog, and right. Our pets, our kids. One of my funniest. Well, I had a couple. In fact, our listeners, if you want to tell us your funniest, like COVID, you know, Zoom call, that would be funny to collect those. Oh yeah, my fun. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. My funniest one was this this uh, kind of junior executive. Uh, where I was working, she had a, a toddler and, but she was very buttoned up and professional and, you know, executive presence and all that. And we were on a big zoom call. There was probably 20 people in the call and we're going through stuff. And her daughter runs the room and says, mommy, I have to go poo poo. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it was just awesome. And then I was on the phone also with the industry standards body who shall not be named. And nobody had their cameras on, but I was working in a culture where everyone had their cameras on at all times. And I'm like, hey, guys, aren't we going to turn on our cameras? 
And the one young guy said, yeah, I will. And he was having trouble. And then he was able to flip his camera on, but he walked away from the screen and walked back. Uh And when he did that, I could see he was in plaid pajamas with a sweatshirt. (laughs) (laughs) But I saw him in plaid pajamas. I'm like, oh, man, the world has changed forever. Yeah. So yeah, there is a lot of that going on right now, but I think, you know, to some extent, this is really great. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that, that happened during COVID is people have this really different perspective on what their life is and what their life work balance is. Right. Yeah. And we're not that's apologizing not for having a life, you know, right. that's not that we No, And, and we realize actually we've been more productive Working at home, even with the kids, the dogs, and the parrots. Yes. And um, so in some ways, because I am a very relationally focused person, I think it's kind of humanized us all. So it doesn't matter what right. letters are after our title or whatever it is. I like, I like um, I'm going to borrow that one. Humanized. I like that. Yeah. I think it's, it's and and in some ways, I mean, that was sort of the why I wanted to do this exactly and start my own company like a crazy woman. But I wanted to continue to scale on that one, as you said, end to end. Right. Because everything, all the lines between all the disciplines and the effects are just blurring. And there's all these like spots where engineers can get bit hard if they're just not aware. So it's trying to create the awareness from people like you in those fuzzy areas. And then also I, I hope I'm going to try very hard to build an online community because I'm a good facilitator of community. You know, the magic is and what happens among engineers and experts and solutions and things that happen. Yeah. You're connected to so many experts, right? Right. And so I think, you know, ultimately that's my goal is to facilitate, that you know jump yeah. off that and then maybe at some point whether it's at other people's conferences or what we end up doing with that is just to facilitate that yeah. that learning that community and um not move to move into that humanity not away from it because i think it's been a really interesting sort of tipping point that we don't even know exactly <laughs> you know yeah. what all the implications are quite yet I think the timing is good for that. And I think that, you know, there are a lot of open-minded engineers and, and in, in particular engineers haven't really been able to get, you know, so much training. In fact, one of the things that I think is fascinating is that almost every professional, almost every profession requires continuing education. Absolutely. Engineering doesn't, right? We don't require Some it. do. Some, well, if you're part of. If you're a professional engineer. If you're a professional engineer, then you're you have not to a do the continuing. There isn't any requirement. And in fact, right. most companies don't really believe that it's necessarily worthwhile. And that's, you know, a space where things like what you're doing are really so powerful. And, you know, like I've been on Robert Farinak's podcast a few times, and and he's always interested in that also. You know, if, if his audience, it's mostly board designers, 
Yeah. Can just learn what it is that the pitfalls are. They don't need to be experts in the pitfalls, but if no. they know that the pitfall is there, yep. um, then they can either go off and learn about it on, on their own. They could look for other podcasts or webinars that'll, you know, fill in their gaps in, in knowledge right. or I'll get emails from them saying, Hey, you know, yep. I'm designing this board and I'm really worried about it. What do you think? Yep. Um, and, you know, most of us are happy to help other people. So I think that that's probably the way engineers are going to learn how it is that what they do impacts other other uh, areas, but also is impacted by those other areas. Absolutely. Right? Everybody's touching everybody else. And Everything, sometimes it's yeah. in a good way and sometimes it's not. <laughs> right. And it's too expensive and it's too, yeah, it affects everyone else, but in a profound way where things break and don't work. Exactly. You know, and it's expensive and it's costly and, you know, so yeah, that's kind of the whole purpose of me calling this the ecosystem, you know, with the double E yeah, is like, it. I really love it. thank you, I is did, to I put did. that whole SIPI board layout, you know, and yeah. I am going to be doing some interesting things with Robert Ferranic too, because I think he's, you know, offers a phenomenal value. Speaking of which, yeah. Steve Sandler, um, I just saw a sneak peek of some training you have on FedEl Academy. Actually, um, I'm going to be doing yeah. a podcast with Robert just a couple of days after this one. And we're going to talk about the incredible training platform he's created. And so he has set up a place for you yes. um, to host that online training. So I'm going to put the links to your landing page into that space because Wow, it looks great, and there's kind of something for everybody and every price point. And yeah. how great you could at any time just go tap the brain power of all your 40 plus years of wisdom. So yeah. I think that's invaluable. One so. of the interesting things about the class is how many instrument companies signed up for that class. The AE. Really? Yeah, it was really phenomenal. But let me tell you the way that happened. Um, it was COVID. We did in-person hands-on workshops for individual companies. And we still get requests, you know, like from Facebook to come in and do an on-site class. But we did these hands-on workshops. And now we couldn't, but people still wanted the training. We just couldn't do them in person. And so we tried to figure out how could we do this in a reasonable way online. And, and we looked around and we were going to do it ourselves. And, and we realized how much goes into making a platform. But I had taken oh. I had taken Robert's classes on mm -hmm. uh, you know Southium classes, and so I knew about his platform. And I reached out to Robert, and we talked about it. And he said, "You know, I'd love to host your class for you." And so we said, "Awesome!" You know, we'll just we'll put it on on uh, Federal Academy, and that's been great. He gave us our own pages and all that, but but all of the infrastructure is Federal Academy. And then we had to try to figure out how to make it an experience for the attendees that was still a reasonable experience. This was a hands-on class. It wasn't a listen-to-me talk. Right. And so we created a uh, an on-site, an online class that was part lecture and part um, measurement. And we did all the measurements we did in the hands-on classes. And then we figured, well, you know, people are going to need the demo boards and all the things that we used in the hands-on workshop. So we took the hands-on workshop material and we made that available as a kit. 
So that if you want to go make all these measurements, you can. You just buy the the kit, and it'll come with all the demo boards and everything we measure in class. Then oh, you can neat. go off measure them yourself. You know what the right answer is supposed to be, whatever. And then it even has a forum, you know, which is also part of what Robert. I know. Does. I love it. Yeah, so we have a forum where people can write to me and ask me questions about the class or, you know, provide feedback. And there's even a scoring system. So, you know, just like Amazon, I, I'm subject to to uh, the reviews and like them or, or not like them. Uh, everybody, not only they leave a review, but they almost have to because if they want to get their certificate, they had to submit their feedback forms. And so... I think 99% of our attendees actually do fill out the feedback. And thankfully, we have a, I think the last time I checked, it was a 4.8 something out of oh, five nice. rating. So, so we were very pleased with it. But Robert had all of that, you know, already built in, all of that infrastructure. So we didn't have to worry about the platform. We only had to worry about writing the class. And even there, I'll say that Robert was so much help. You know, Robert's done so many of these classes on his own that he wasn't willing to put his class up until he reviewed it himself. And he gave us some right. tips on, on how to do things better. And and together, we, we kind of got through it and, and we made a 12-week online class. So, so of course, watchers, listeners, I'm going to put that in the show notes and absolutely go tap it. It's an amazing platform. Um, the content looks stunningly good quality, high quality. And again, that, that of replicating that hands-on. And again, you don't have to ship expensive instruments and have them get lost on FedEx on your way to yeah. teach. You know? and, and it does get lost. I don't know if I ever told you that story, but we actually did, um, we did lose a lot of equipment in the process. Yeah. And so, yeah, this is, this is much better and, and we can reach so many more people this way. And, uh, and, and it's secure and there's the forum. I know I love it. And I'm sure before the day is over, we'll probably be putting up some um, training there for the ecosystem community. And yeah. so we're in conversations now about that. And so there can be a forum for um, people. Yeah. And Robert's sort of e really easy to work with too, which is just, um, it, so it's always a pleasurable experience too. Yeah. So. He has a very generous, kind spirit and I, yes. I really enjoy working with him. Okay. Well, before I let you go, we could talk all day because uh, I enjoy it so much. Too, probably. Yeah. Right. Um, but is there anything else or how about giving our listeners a parting gift, like in today's post COVID, you know, what sort of advice would you give to electrical engineers, hardware engineers, uh, systems engineers? Like, I know it's a really big ask, but you know, what are a couple tips in with today's technology trends and everything you're seeing? What are mm -hmm. like a couple key, like pieces of Steve Sandler wisdom? Yeah. I'm going to give you a couple. So, you know, right after the pandemic started, I did write a bunch of posts because one thing that that I knew was that a lot of people struggle with working by themselves, working from home, and you need to have, you know, a certain amount of discipline and also a lot of people struggle with the, the solitude. And so the first tip that I would give engineers is if you are still working from home, it's easy to, to overwork. Don't. Yeah. Right. You know, set yourself hours that you work, 
and set yourself hours that you don't work. And if you can work in a separate place from from where you live, that's even better. Leave, close the door. Uh, remember to take breaks during the day and, you know, connect with people somehow, whether it's watching a webinar, a podcast, um, you know, watching TV, just so that you feel like you're connected to other people. That'll really help. Um, you mentioned productivity. Productivity is really up. And I know, um, you know, businesses are saying we really need our employees back in the office. No, you really don't. Um, <laughs> and the numbers prove that you don't. Things are just fine. Uh, but it means that engineers have a little bit more time um, and a little bit more flexibility what they do at that time. Use that time to learn and learn those things that are going to let you get to the next level from where you are. Um, I don't care what discipline you're on. If you're a board designer, you need to know about power integrity. You need to know about signal integrity. You need to know about RF. Um, take some online webinar and podcast information so that you can learn better how it is that you impact other disciplines and how they impact you and focus on that um, and focus on where it is that you think you want to be after life is whatever it is life is after COVID, right? I mean, we're still, we're still not on the other side. Not fully. Um, eventually we do get on the other side. And what does your life look like then? What have you learned, you know, during this time and what is it that you'd really like to, to be able to do or do better. And I think that I talk to engineers all the time. I mentor so many young engineers. If, if any of your listeners are looking for a mentor, I'm always happy to be one. Um, so long as watch out, Steve Sam. <laughs> I know. So long as, so long as <laughs> what are you doing? Hard, so long as they're willing to work hard, if they're willing to put in the effort, I'm willing to, to be their mentor. And so, so I would say, think about where it is that you want to be. What is it that you need to learn to get from here to there? Do it. Um, and use the opportunity to network. One of the best things about your your podcast is you get to to meet or e-meet so many different people that have so yeah. much so much knowledge. Um, and suck it up. Get it, get all that knowledge you can. It's free. Um, it's free. That's why just, I love doing this work. And I should jump in right here to, or I'll be remiss, Steve, to mention thanks to our sponsors, Keysight. We have a new in Transline Technologies who are an RFPCB design specialist and also Signal Integrity Journal because they help me have these great conversations with yeah. people like Steve Sandler. So, and I got a soft spot for all of them. So, uh, so I'm glad to hear that they're sponsoring you. And, and I mean, like us. They really want to spread the message. That, that's a big part of what we do is spreading messages and, right. and what we're doing here. So, Well, our goal here, which is absolutely in line with your sort of personal uh, sort of mission of generosity and mentorship, is we want to educate, connect, and equip engineers to yeah. do their best work. I think I admire engineers, even though I'm not one. Oh, um, you are by osmosis. I, yeah, I, weirdly enough, I like it, uh -huh. like, but don't ask me to do the math. Okay. I just like hanging out with people like you <laughs> That's good and you've taught, to you've taught me a lot. Thank you for being, um, a mentor and a teacher to me, Steve. And thank you for those great tips. I think that's a great place to stop. And those are really valuable right now today. So thank you so much for coming on again. 
I'm sure you I will bet. rope you into coming back again, but thank you so much for all that you shared today. You bet. I'm hoping to see you in person again soon. Yeah, I sure hope so. Have a good one, and thanks for having me on. Thank you. To our listeners, thanks so much for, for eavesdropping on this conversation with myself and power integrity expert, Steve Sandler. Thanks so much for joining us today. Always go to the show notes where I'll load you up with great resources from Steve and PicoTest and so many of the things we discussed. We're delighted to have you. Thanks for joining us again. We'll see you next time. Until then, remember to always stay connected to the ecosystem.